on that note, we are at the conclusion of our five-week series on bold, becoming all things to all men, where we've been talking about what it means to be an evangelist and to fulfill the command to preach the gospel to all nations. And like we've been talking about and seeing in these cute little video intros, is that it doesn't mean necessarily what we think it means. All right, and today what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up the series by seeing kind of the vision for life that God wants us to live with in light of all that we've been talking about. But before we do that, it's Father's Day. So we have to celebrate our fathers today. So here's what we are going to do today. I am, as a father, okay, obviously, a strong believer in the importance of fatherhood. Meaning, I don't just say these as empty words. I believe that mothers are the best, okay, and moms are the best, but moms are always the best. All right, moms are pretty standard, but dads is a lot more flexibility and volatility, shall we say. Dads are the backbone of everything. Meaning that when we have good dads, we'll have good families, we'll have good countries, we'll have good churches. Like when our, our dads are our backbones, the fathers are the backbones. So when our fathers are strong and fatherhood is strong, then our country will be strong, our nation, our, 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 our families, everything will be strong. So really, I'm not just saying those words, is that we do honor you. But because you're dads, and I'm a dad too, we don't honor you by saying fluffy words about you because you don't like that just as much as I don't like that, all right? And we don't honor you by giving you roses and stuff like that. We honor you with humor. So what we are going to do is I'm going to honor you by telling you some of the great features and characteristics about fathers all over this country. Fathers are highly efficient as far as dealing with children. <laughs> we are very creative in terms of how we relate to our children. In addition, we are very resourceful when it comes to spending time with our children and it comes to things, everyday tasks, like pushing them on a swing. We've discovered that there's more than one way to accomplish that goal. In addition, when it comes to teaching our children to be good model citizens of society and trying to explain lessons, we have a, a, a way of doing it that might be a little bit unique, and I'll, I'll read you this letter, okay, that a dad wrote to his daughter Emily. My dearest Emily, I came by tonight to retrieve your tooth and leave your payment. However, because of the condition of your bedroom, I had a horrible time even getting to your bed safely. Once there, I was unable to locate the tooth pillow due to the amount of pillows, blankets, and bodies in your bed. I will have to come by on a different night. Perhaps you can take the time between now and then to properly clean and organize your room. I bet if you ask your mother nicely, she will even help you to do it. Much love, sign the tooth fairy. <laughs> because we dads, we know how to get a message across. And the best thing about us dads is we do all the stuff that we do, and we don't ask for much in return. <laughs> all it takes for us is a stupid t-shirt every year on Father's Day, and that kind of keeps us going from year to year. True story about a dad. A dad who is not the most uh, helpful in the kitchen, shall we say. But it's not through his own fault. It's just, it's just the way he was raised. It's not that he doesn't want to help. He just doesn't know how to help. One day his wife was sick, so he said, you know what, I'm going to be helpful. And I said, I'm going to do the grocery shopping for you sweetheart, because you're sick. So she, the wife was very appreciative, of course, of this gesture. So she created a detailed list for him, and she numbered it. Okay, she gave him, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all things that she needed him to get. He goes to the store, and he comes back, and he's clearly very proud of himself when he returns back from the store. And he shows off his grocery skills, 
by showing her that he bought one bag of sugar, two hams, three eggplants, four green peppers, five boxes of detergent, six dozen eggs, and seven gallons of milk. Exactly as she had told him to do. <laughs> Best thing about making jokes about dads is because their dads don't even need to be funny. There's got to be something about dads. So we honor you, dads, and we appreciate you. But now, all joking aside, if I want to honor dads today, I started to think to myself, what can I do that would make dads like feel like this today was for them? So three things I'm going to do for dads, and this is based on what I gather to be feedback from most of the male population here amongst us. Dads want three things. Number one, they want short. I'm doing my best to keep it short today. Shortest I've ever prepared. Dads, number two, don't want to fill in handouts. If you notice your handout today, no fill in the blanks. And number three, and most important, dads want to be challenged to do something great for God. Dads want to be told that their life can have eternal significance. Men in general, I'm just dads, want to be told that their life can have eternal significance and they can be we're all deep inside. We're all Bruce Willis and Die Hard, want to save the day. We're all Rambo, want to go one man show into another country and defeat all the bad guys. We all have a, a, a Superman or a Batman or a Spider Man or an Iron Man or whatever your generation superhero is inside of us. And all of us want to save the day. Well, today, gentlemen, is your day. Because I believe my hope is to do all three of those things, okay? We're going to talk about a story from Luke chapter 5. And it's a story about one time where Jesus goes fishing. And this story to me, more than any other story, speaks, will speak hopefully, especially to the men in the room. And to those who feel like, is this mic bad? Okay. Is this better? Better? Sorry. Okay. So that's why the jokes weren't as funny, because of the microphone, right? That's good. <laughs> it was the mic's fault. Yeah, it's always the mic's fault. This story, more than any other story in the Bible, will speak to those who know that God wants them. This is just as bad. This is just. The problem is, just so you know, it's not the microphones. It's the speakers, the George Mason speakers. Something happened to some of these speakers. So only a couple of them are working, so that's why we keep turning it up, and that's why it keeps creating funny. How about just turn it down, and I'll just talk very loud. Yeah, just, just turn it down. Yeah. Which is better, this? Or this one? This one. This one? This one. This one? Okay. <clears throat> Luke chapter 5 is a story one time where Jesus is out by a lake called Lake Gennesaret. And while he's out there by the lake, he does what he always does by the lake, which is he preaches and he teaches the people. And it started off as this kind of a small gathering of people who were there, and he was there, and he was, is everything okay with the mic? Okay. And he was there, and he started preaching. And then something strange happened as Jesus was preaching. The more he preached, the more people came. And the more he preached, the more and more people came. Somehow it's the opposite of me. Okay, the longer he went, the more people kept flocking to. I don't know how he had that trick, but he had that trick. And so many people were coming that all of a sudden the people couldn't see him. It became too crowded by the short. So Jesus came up with a great idea of how he can be more efficient as he was preaching. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. 
let's get some context here on what Jesus just did. Because Jesus had a problem, then he came up with a bright idea to solve it, but the bright idea wasn't necessarily exactly what Simon, Peter, had in mind. Simon, as it says right there, Simon and Peter, okay, his name is Simon Peter, so use, the Bible uses them interchangeably. He, along with his brother Andrew, were fishermen. They were professional fishermen by trade. This was their job, and they were very good at what they did. The way they used to do fishing, okay, and still people who know fishing, know that the best time to catch the fish is early in the morning, okay, early, early, early. So what fishermen would do is they would basically stay up all night. They'd go out from the night before, get themselves ready, get all their stuff going, okay, and prepare their nets so that crack of dawn, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, whatever it is, they can be out there in the middle and have all their nets ready and stuff like that. It was a big effort to prepare, to go out, and then to come back and to clean up. So now, at this point in the story, they're on the cleanup effort. So they've been working probably six, seven hours all through the night, whatever it was. And what did they have to show for all their hard work? Nothing. It had been one of those nights, you know, it was one of those, just one of those days at the office where everything goes wrong. Where you work, 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 and you get nothing done. Y'all know those days at the office, right? Peter was having one of those days at the office. And for him, the difference between him and you at your office you at your office have a bad day, you still get a paycheck on the 15th and the 30th. St. Peter, when he had a bad day at the office, he had to go home and see his wife and say, Honey, ain't no money today. No fish. Fish was money. And say, you know, the bills that are coming in, we can't pay them. Just pay the minimum balance. Just pay the interest and put it off till the next month. He had to go home knowing that his wife had projects planned around the house, and he didn't have anything to show for it. So he's frustrated and he's in a bad situation, and all he wants to do when you're in one of those situations is you just want to go home and just kind of get through the day and go to sleep and then try again the next day and hopefully you have better luck the next day. I liken this to, if you've ever been a waiter in a restaurant, all right, I used to be a waiter, all right, at this place in Tyson's Corner called Luciano's, and nothing is worse Nothing. Place closes at nine. You got plans. You had a rough day. Not much money came in in the tips because you're a waiter. You're living the same way. And then somebody walks in at 8:50. You already cleaned your stuff. You just want to go home. You just want to sit in front of the TV. You just want to take the leftover pizza they're gonna throw away. That's all you want to do. <laughs> and somebody walks in at 8:50 and orders drinks. Why you do that? <laughs> you can get a drink from anywhere you want. Why you gotta sit in a restaurant and make me pull the thing out and get? That's the way Peter is right now. Like, okay, I had a rough night. I cleaned up my nets, did the boat thing. I was ready to dock, and then Jesus comes and says, hey, I got an idea. Let's go back out and use your boat. But Peter, okay, let it go. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Verse 4. When Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, hey, I got a better idea. And you can almost picture Jesus, because Jesus knows the end of the story. You can picture him kind of smiling, being like, hey, Peter, you want to have some fun? He's like, hey, let's do this. Let's launch out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. You know what this is? So you walked in, you ordered drinks, and now it's 8.57, okay, and I want to leave at 9. Now you said to show me the dessert menu. No. <laughs> no, I'm not going to show you the dessert menu. You had a chance from 8.50 to 8.57 to get the dessert. Now it's it. That's what Jesus does to Peter. And I think Jesus had a little smile on his face. Peter did not have a smile on his face. Peter gives him a little attitude, not in a bad, disrespectful way, but you can imagine he's a little, like, this is annoying. So Jesus says, excuse me, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. I think what he was thinking in addition to what he said 
is master we're fishermen you're not a fisherman you know how this thing works there ain't no more fish anymore we worked all night you know all night while you were sleeping we were working and while we were while you were doing whatever we were working and we know what we're doing we got the degree in the fishing you got nothing and we got no fish but for some reason we don't know why Peter agrees Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Peter didn't know what was going to happen next, but something about the way Jesus talked to him said, you know what? Okay. Something about the look in Jesus' eye. said, okay. I don't know why, and I don't want, but something about the look in Jesus' eye. And you all know how the rest of the story goes. Okay, next verse. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. What happened? The mother load came in. They went out there, and they caught so many fish, literally boatloads of fish, literally, that they needed to call their friends to come help. James and John, we assume, were the two friends they called them to come help because they couldn't fit all the fish. Now, that part wasn't the story. That part didn't matter. Verse 1 to 7 in the story was nothing. Verse 1 to 7 was just the intro. It was just the warm-up act. And Jesus had a lesson that he wanted to teach here and a message he wanted to deliver, and that was just the, like, the little intro video at the beginning. That, yeah, let's do the fish, and I'll see all these fish, and all these fish, and all these fish. Jesus now does this miracle. And there's Peter and James and John and Andrew. And how do you think they're feeling as they're looking at all these fish? Big fish, little fish, uh, white fish, black fish, swordfish, catfish, goldfish, whatever kind of fish that they see. And they see all these fish. And the fish are dollar signs. Okay, the fish are dollar signs. The fish are vacation, okay, to the Florida Keys. The fish are, uh, I can finally finish my basement. The fish are, I can get that new whatever for my car. The fish are dollar signs. And they got the dollar signs coming and coming and coming. So they're thinking in their mind, that's it. We made it. We're rich. This is the best. We love Jesus. <laughs> all hail King Jesus. He is the best because look at all this stuff. And I can imagine them dancing in circles, and I can imagine them high-fiving and hooting and hollering. And I kind of picture Jesus just in my own mind, just kind of looking at them, and he's kind of smiling, okay? And, you know, you let the kids have fun, you know what I mean? Let them rejoice and let them like, okay, that's good, you know what I'm saying? And he's just watching. But then he gets their attention. He says, okay, relax, relax, calm down, calm, 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 calm. Let me tell you something. You think that was cool? How would you like, and he makes them like a business proposition. How would you like to take that feeling, that feeling, and multiply that feeling by infinity? How would you like to catch something much more valuable than just fish? Verse 9. While he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken, so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Jesus did something strange here. He did this whole miracle. He watched them rejoice. He watched them celebrate. And he said, You know what? It's exactly like in fishing. Anyone fishers here? Okay, if anyone likes to fish, okay, there's like, like you rejoice, 
when you catch, at least me, I'm not very good at fishing. I've only done it a couple times. I don't like touching the slimy things, okay? <laughs> you catch something like this, and you are hooting and holler, look, I caught a goldfish. Yes, greatest goldfish in the whole wide world. And then the experts are like, you want to catch something bigger? Like you want to go deeper and catch the bigger ones? That's what Jesus did to Peter right here. He said, Peter, you did a great job. You caught a few slimy little fish. That's great. You want to go for the big ones? Big ones? Yeah, the big ones. This is small fries. Let's go for the big catch. What's the big catch, Lord? Not fish. You know what's the big catch? Souls. Souls. People. You rejoice over these few fish you caught? Imagine the feeling of catching some souls and bringing them into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus today was on a fishing trip. Jesus was on a fishing trip. But the fishing trip wasn't to catch fish. The fishing trip was to catch fishermen. And it's actually the same fishing trip that he started from day one of this world as not to catch fish. That wasn't his mission. Jesus' mission on this earth was not to catch fish, was to catch fishermen and send those fishermen off to catch fish. That's why his last words to the disciples weren't pray a lot, read a lot of the Bible, be good, go to church on time. It wasn't it. It wasn't to catch those fish. It was to catch fishermen and to make fishermen. And once he accomplished that, once he created fishermen, he said, okay, I'm done here. Now it's your turn to go. That's where we are today. I believe that just as he did 2,000 years ago with a guy named Simon Peter, in his office, which was his boat, okay, his boat was his place of work, his boat was like his home away from home, I believe that Jesus, uninvited, just like he did with Peter, is hopping into boats left and right here today. And I hope he's been doing that during this series. He's hopping into people's boats, and he is throwing down the gauntlet. And he is saying, you think it's great to catch a few small fish? Come, let's be fishers or men. And just the same way, like I said, he went to Peter. He didn't ask. He didn't, like, he just invited himself. I think he's going to do that same thing here. And he has been doing that same thing here. And he's inviting us to stop chasing small fish and to start chasing the big ones. If y'all remember in the movie, for those who saw the history movie, the History Channel, the Bible movie. Did y'all see that movie? This scene was very powerful, at least for me. If you remember the way it was, is that Jesus did this miracle, and then he says this line to, to Peter of like, come, I'll make you a fisher of men. And then in it, like they took a little bit of a creative freedom with it, and Peter asked Jesus. Jesus said, I'll make you fisher of men. Peter asked him, what does that mean? Or what are we going to do? Or something like that. And you remember what Jesus said? He said, change the world. That's exactly what he said. He said come, let's be a fisher of men. What's that mean? What are we going to do? We're going to change the world. And then it kind of like, the music and the commercial break, like it was very, very, very powerful. Well, I see the same thing with us. And Jesus is saying to us today, how many years of your life are you going to chase the small fish? Okay, you want a bigger car, whoop de doo or bigger, better car, bigger house. You want uh, this position at work, whoop de doo Like how long are you going to chase after little fish? You want to be respected in whatever, this degree, like whatever. I'm not against those. Look, I'm not saying those things are bad. Get the promotion, get the degree. I'm not against that. Get a car, get a house. Please get a house. Like, I'm not against any of those things. <laughs> I'm not against them. 
Just like Jesus wasn't against fishing. Fishing's not bad. But there's better fish. There's bigger ones. And now it's time for him to realize that message. The title of today was Grander Vision Living. What I'm going to do right now is we're going to talk about the small fish versus the big fish. And because, like I said, I know today's all about dads. Remember, dads. So what do dads, thought to myself, what do dads want in the middle of my short talk with not having to write anything, with had donuts at the beginning and had something free at the end as well? Dads would like to stop the middle of the talk and play a game. Wouldn't dads like that? Because dads can't really pay very good. The dad, but I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer to come up on stage with me. Who's going to volunteer? Uh, I need someone a little bit older than the, the little grown person. Joe, come on up. Joe, a big hand for Joe here. Big hand for Joe. We're going to play a game. But before we play the game, I'm kind of colorblind. This is yellow, correct? Is this blue? I wrote blue in my notes. Purple. Okay, this is purple. Joe is going to get two color sticky pads. Purple, formerly known as blue, all right, and yellow. And what's going to happen is Joe's going to help us. Move this here. Joe's going to help us figure out what's big fish and what's small fish. Okay? I'm going to put a bunch of stuff here up on this table. And if it's a big fish, meaning something of value, you're going to put uh, yellow on it. And if it's something which is small fish, you're going to put purple. Okay? So some people want to get a new card. Purple. Some people want to play for the Washington Redskins one day. <laughs> You're not playing the game right. <laughs> okay, that's kind of a greenish one, okay? We'll kind of put that one aside. Some people really, 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 really want that girl to like me, okay? I really want that girl to like me. Because if she likes me, and then I'll be the happiest person in the whole wide world if I can just get this girl to like me. There we go. <laughs> Very good. Speaking from experience, he is. Okay, speaking from experience. All right, let's see what else we got in here. How about a spaceship, okay? A spaceship that makes noises. That's very valuable, right? How about uh, a lot of money? How about if I got a lot? This is all for my kids, by the way. How about if I had a lot of money? How about if uh, I was very powerful, okay? I had a lot of power. Sorry for the gun. <laughs> How about... Uh, these are Lincoln logs to build a house. How about if I built the biggest house in the whole wide world? Nothing there, too. A lot of purple up here. How about if I am a very dignified man, okay? Like this guy, you know what I mean? And I am the Prince of England or something like that. Nothing like that. So wait a minute. We got, oh, uh, electronics. Uh, electronics, nothing there, too. So we got a lot of purple on here, but Joe didn't use his yellow stickers. How come Joe didn't use the yellow stickers? Well, other than the Redskin one, which he is... Uh, is a little off script. <laughs> is there anything here on this stage that's yellow? Nothing? <laughs> and you know what? If God was standing up here and he's looking out over here, all he sees is yellow stickers. Yellow stickers. And God walks down there on Fairfax Drive and every person that walks by Thank you very much, Joe. Give Joe a big hand. Big Joe a big hand. Thank you. 
God walks down Fairfax Drive, and all God sees, God walks into the Starbucks, he sees yellow stickers. God walks into your office, he sees yellow stickers. God walks down the street of your neighborhood, and every house he walks by, he doesn't see the house. He sees yellow stickers surrounded by blue, yeah, purple stickers. They're driving purple stickers to work, and they're in uh, their big purple sticker buildings, and they are fighting and, and scheming to try to get some of these purple stickers. And he says, people, it's the yellow ones that last. It's the yellow ones that matter. Because the yellow ones are people's souls. And the only thing that's going to matter when you get up there, none of this stuff is going to make it up there. None of it. Even, yeah, none of it. What's going to make it up there is souls. There are too many people today We need to have this grander vision living. And again, let me be clear. I'm not saying don't have a car. I'm not, say, I'm not saying everyone leave your job. I'm not saying it like that. I'm not saying it like that. I'm not saying don't get a paycheck. I'm not saying it. I'm saying, there's a person I know who says this, and I love the way they say it. They say, I get my paycheck from XYZ company, but my mission is from God. I love that. I'm not saying quit the company. I'm not saying that. I'm saying get your paycheck from the company. But get your mission from God. Because in the end, the only thing that matters is the things that have the yellow stickers. And the yellow stickers are people's souls. What's more valuable than someone's soul? Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, What profits it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is speaking about your own soul, but he's also showing us the value of, of any soul. Trade in all this stuff. Like, if you could have all this stuff, or you could have a soul, and you could help save a soul and win a soul to the kingdom of heaven, what Jesus is saying is, stop trying to catch fish, little fish. Let's try to catch the big ones. Next verse, 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19. You know the value? How valuable is this car? Okay? How would you, if you want to determine the value of this car, how would you determine it? What someone's willing to pay for it. Okay, I put it on Craigslist for $100. I say it's worth $100. No, if no one's willing to pay $100, it's not worth $100. If all I can get for it is 15 cents, then it's worth 15 cents. The value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. Agree? Value of a soul. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish, and without spot. How valuable is this? Whatever. How valuable is this? What was the price paid for one soul? One soul. Blood of Christ. Not blood of Christ. Blood of God incarnate. God. God. Was killed for one soul. How valuable is that soul? So we don't see that. We see that clerk, he's annoying. We don't see the soul. We see my neighbor, she's a sinner. We see my boss, he's obnoxious. We see my coworker, she's sneaky. Jesus sees yellow tags, yellow tags. And the price tag on each one of them yellow stickers, he goes blood 
of God himself, whom the heavens and earth cannot contain. His blood was shed for that one person's soul. Maybe that's why James chapter 5, verse 20 says this. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Did you catch what Jesus is saying right there? I'm sorry, what James is saying right there? Did you catch what he's saying? That if you gain all these things and bring them to heaven and say, look what I got. You say, ah, back of the line. But if you bring some of these, say, look what I brought with me becomes much more lenient, becomes much more willing to overlook some stuff. When you show up at heaven, you're going to show up with a pile of purples? Is that your plan? Bunch of degrees, bunch of cars, houses, furnitures, prestigious positions, people who say you're cool, people who kiss your feet, kiss your hand. Is that what you're going to have? Or are you going to show up with some yellow stickers? What Jesus was telling Peter today is, Grander vision living. Thinking, not small fish, but big fish. Grander vision living, Peter, is look out and don't just see fish, see souls. And know that that soul is infinitely precious and infinitely valuable because I paid my blood for each one of those souls. Bottom line here, people, is that each of these things with yellow stickers is going to spend eternity either with God or without God. That's a fact. I'm not preaching condemnation or judgment. I'm telling you facts. I'm not saying who's going left or right or north or south. I'm saying is there's an end and everything with a yellow, everything with a purple is just going to be buried. But the yellow has a chance to live either there or it's going to live down there. My point is we're not just playing games here. When we talk about value of souls, we talk about the people that you know with the yellow stickers. We're talking eternity here. And I'm not saying that it's your job to go and baptize them tomorrow, but it's your job to realize the value of everything with the yellow sticker and to realize how important and precious that soul is. And if you have an opportunity that you can do something to help that soul, then you do whatever it takes. That's how Jesus lived, isn't it? You know where Jesus proved this more than anywhere else? Remember when Jesus hung on the cross? Jesus on the cross. Come on, man. If there's ever a time that you should be like, okay, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with people. It's on the cross. Like you live your whole life. This is the last minute. Like, okay, just be a little selfish for the last minutes. For the last few minutes. Just say, everybody leave me alone. No one will blame you. Last minutes. After what they did to you. The way they betrayed you. The way they beat you. Like, come on. But what did Jesus say? They put him up on the cross. Curse them. Ridicule them. Like, say something. And Jesus said what? Father, forgive them. Why? Because he could see the yellow stickers. All he could see was the yellow stickers. All he could see was big fish. And he knew that my life here on this earth is about to come to an end. I want to get another fish when I go up there. A big one, not the little ones. I want the little ones. I want a little goldfish. I want me a big fish. His whole thing, even on the cross, even after that, the thief on the right, come with me to paradise. 
Like all he could think was in terms of souls. That's what I mean by grander vision living. Is looking out not at this, at small fish, at what do I want to gain, even spaceships and stuff, is looking for yellow fish, or yellow stickers, which is the big fish. You know what it's all about in the end? It's all about Luke 15, verse 10, which says, Likewise, I say to you, this is what Jesus said when he told the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know what it's all about? Grander vision living. You know what it's all about? It's all about throwing parties in heaven. It's all about you throwing a party in heaven. And today, you can go outside of these doors, and you can do something that's going to throw, ignite a big old party in heaven. And they're going to be celebrating and rejoicing and, and dancing and, and enjoying and all that kind of stuff. People walk in and say, hey, what y'all celebrating? Say, because so-and-so, that kid, did that. We're partying because of what that kid did. What did that kid do? He brought us a big fish. He got us a soul. I told you I'm going to be short. Believe it or not, I'm almost done. Almost. Almost. What I want to wrap up with is I want you to know that Jesus today, that story from Luke 5 is here. This is the boat that Jesus jumped into today. Jesus jumped into this boat. This boat. And Jesus said, who wants to join me in living for the big fish? Like, you see how much fun it was to get this stuff? That was fun. Let's get the good stuff. Like, you see how much fun you had, Peter, when you got all this stuff? Man, that stuff ain't even a drop in the bucket. Let's go get the big fish. And Jesus is challenging. I don't say challenging. Inviting. Inviting us to continue his work. And saying, I'm out there, and I'm seeking fish, and now I need help. I need some fishermen. Just like Peter did. Okay, he said, I got too much fish here. I need helpers. Jesus is saying the same thing. Will you be a helper? Will you accept the invitation? Jesus' final prayer before he left this earth, one of his final words, he said, speaking to his father, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. It is amazing that Jesus calls us to do the same work that he did. And he's saying, I did it. I left. I am trained you. Now it's your turn, and I send you. And we have to picture ourselves the same way, Father, Son, Holy Spirit up in heaven. And they said, okay, someone needs to go down there and do that. So, you know what I mean? Nose game right away. Father and the Holy Spirit, they, they won the nose game. So they send the Son, and the Son, it's your job to go down there and catch as many fish as you can. And now the Son said, okay, I'm done. I did my job. So now you go. Same thing I, from heaven to earth, now I'm going back, now you go. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And we have the exact same mission that he does. I gave a lot to the dads here today, didn't I? Donuts, short, no notes, fun game, funny pictures. I'm going to do something that the dads won't like now. Sorry. I got to give a little love to the mops, okay? A little love to the ladies. We're going to sing a song. <laughs> okay.
okay. All the ladies will be happy. The guys are maybe not the most singing, but that's okay. Like, we're, it's okay. We're going to sing a song that uh, when we were kids, we sing it all the time in, in Catholic school. It's called Here I Am, Lord. You know that song? Okay. It's from uh, Isaiah chapter 6, or it's based on Isaiah 6, which is a passage where Isaiah comes face to face with God. And God, they have a little interaction. And then God says, the famous line that we'll repeat over and over, whom shall I send? So God says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah responds, here I am, Lord. We're not singing a song about Isaiah. Like, if you, don't want, if you want to sing a song, like, we're not singing a song about Isaiah. We don't even know Isaiah. Never met him. We're having a dialogue with God. And God is going to say, this is who I am. I need someone to go for me. And I want you and all of us to say with all of our hearts, Lord, I'll go. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. But Lord, from now on, I'm living for these. I'm not living for these. I'm not even living like, I'm not, like, as a church, we have fellowship with each other. We love each other. That's great. But that's not our, our purpose of our existence. That's a country club. We're not a country club. Purpose of our existence is this. And the fellowship and the love and the unity, I'm not, that's a good thing. But that's for a greater purpose. So that they will see our love and they'll know who we're disciples of. We're for this. We never want a church that becomes a country club, a clique, my friends. It's all, it's all, I just come to church, see my friends. and be my, It's not about my friends. Church was instituted to get these yellow stickers. Because every single soul is so valuable to God. So valuable. And when you love someone so much, and you know that he values a soul so much, you do anything you can. And sometimes that's just an invite to church. Sometimes that's just a word of encouragement. Sometimes, like whatever it may be, that's all it is. Okay? Let's stand together and sing this nice song together. Maybe we can dim the lights too. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I, who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. I, the Lord of snow and rain, I have borne my people's pain. I have wept for love of them. They turn away. 
I will break their hearts of stone, give them hearts for love alone. I will speak my word to them. Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. I, the Lord of wind and flame, I will tend the poor and lame. I will set a feast for them. My hand will save. Finest bread I will provide till their hearts be satisfied. I will give my life for them. Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, who are we that you would call us to continue your mission? And who are we, Lord, that we could assume that, that, that we can like be in the same sentence as, as Peter or St. Paul or, or, or any of these guys? But Lord, you call us today and you tell us, and we believe every word, Lord, that we just sang about how all the great things that you want to do in this world and the hungry people that you want to feed and the sick people that you want to heal and the blind people that you want to show them your light. Lord, there's no doubt that your heart aches and breaks and, and, and is, is in like a thousand pieces when it sees the brokenness that's outside in this world. We see our kids get like a, a cut on their finger and we're upside down for days. Lord, you see broken hearts and you see people who can't see and can't understand and can't know you because of whatever barrier. Lord, give us the same heart that breaks the way yours does. Give us the same eyes that sees big fish, not small fish. Not just looking at our, our own life and our material stuff and, and the little temporary things of this world that don't mean anything in the end. Give us a see like you see, Lord. And to know that he who saves a soul from death will cover a multitude of sins. Give us boldness, Lord. Give us to be bold so that we can invite people to church when, when we feel you calling us to do it. That we can speak a word when you call us to do that. That we can shut our mouths when you call us to do that. Give us just to be your ambassadors walking around and let, starting from like this day forward, 
that like like a little fire starts here in Arlington and starts to spread to the north, to the south, to the east, and the west. In every direction, Lord, a little fire starts to grow. A little, a little momentum starts to grow in each direction. And people start to see you and people start to know you. Lord, each of us is saying that we, we will go for you, Lord. That, that send us, Lord, that we will go. You don't know what, we don't know what we're going to do or where we're going to go, but you lead, we follow. We thank you, Lord, for calling us here to your house and all the great things that you've given to us. Give us, Lord, not to be selfish and greedy with what we have, but to learn to share the good news that you have given to us, that you are truly risen from the dead, and you are life, and you give life to those who believe in you and those who trust in you. Give us to carry that message of the gospel with us everywhere we go and just be light to the world the way you were. Thank you, Lord, for every willing heart that's offering themselves before you. Guide, Lord, their every step and guide them, Lord, to how you want them to serve you and to, to be a light to this world. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have a seat just for one second. I just want to say something before we close up. I know we end up finishing at the same time anyway. Sorry, dads, okay. <laughs> is that, uh, so, next week is going to be a special week here at the well, okay? And, and I've announced this a couple times, but just for the sakes we're all on the same page, is that next week we really, really, I'm encouraging every single person to invite someone to come with them to church, all right? And not someone who goes to another church, okay? Like, the point isn't just to move from one church to another one. Like, the point is people who don't go to church, all right? And people especially who are in need of, of the good news that God has. Next week I'm preparing a special message called There's Gotta Be More Than This. And the whole point of the message is about the vanity and futility of living for things in this world and the hope that we have in Christ. And you know somebody who needs to hear that message. So it, take a step of boldness, all right? Do all the stuff that we've been talking about for the past week, like initiate a conversation and let the Holy Spirit kind of guide it. But be willing to take a step of boldness. Just invite them to church. We created some tools to hopefully make it a little bit easier. I told you all last week about the website, The Well at STSA, thewell at stsa.com, all right? We put a bunch of sermons up there and resources and stuff like that. The whole point of that website is to be evangelistic because sometimes you can't talk, but sometimes you can send a link, all right? Maybe that, that might be something that you can do. So that's the whole point. So go play around on the website, and, and you never know. God may open that opportunity. We also got these cool pens. I think they're back at the connection table with the, the church's uh, website and address. And that pen may be something like, I want everyone, take a pen on your way out. And you never know. Just keep the pen in your pocket. You never know that you may come across somebody who you want to invite. And there's that pen in your pocket. And you give that pen and say, hey, come here next Sunday. Like, whatever. The tool is, is, is just a tool. But be bold. And then take a bunch of tools. And then God will open away for you to, to do something. But I really want to challenge everybody. Again, I don't want to say challenge. I want to invite you to join this great work and to become fishers of men because really, there's nothing more satisfying to the soul than to be working in the work of the Lord. Agree? All right, so everybody leaving here like Isaiah. Say, here I am, Lord.
right? And you're going to be saying that all week. Here I am, Lord. You're going to go to work and say, here I am, Lord, and use me. And you're going to go to your neighbor and say, here I am, use me. And I promise you, you say that, and God will open doors. Okay? Okay. Thank you all very much. Have a great week. Happy Father's Day. There might be some leftover donuts, or there are no more donuts. No more donuts. That's okay. There's lots of food left over, so dads, go help yourself, okay? We got your free meal for you, and put some in your pockets, okay? Help yourselves. Happy Father's Day. <laughs>